Uh, but let's jump into the word this morning. Uh, I want to uh, bring, I guess, the last message of your uh, inoculation that we've been talking about over the past month or so. Things that we as Christians just got to believe. We got to know it. We got to believe it. You've heard me say this. If we don't know why we believe what we believe, then what we believe isn't worth believing. Amen? So you might know that. Well, say that with me. If you don't know what you, why you believe what you believe, then what you believe is not worth believing. You guys did not get that. But anyway, uh, you get the point. Uh, it's, understand, it's, under, it's, it's absolutely important that we stay focused on the fundamentals, the basics, the things that really matter as it regards our faith. And so we've talked about the virgin birth. Um, Got to believe that that stuff, that Jesus was born of a virgin, believing in the Bible as being the authority, the word of God, uh, these types of things. So this morning, I want to talk about the incarnation of Christ. Um, we'll talk about what that means, the incarnation of Christ, which ultimately is God with us. So if you will turn your Bibles to the book of John, chapter number one. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is all speaking of Christ. Then you go down to verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So let's talk about the incarnation of Christ this morning, what that means. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we look to you this morning, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, these things that we, that we read in your word, this truth that you have revealed to us, not only in your written word, but by way of your spirit, to show us that this is truth. It's not something that flesh and blood can reveal. A fancy sermon today, God, is not going to make anybody understand your incarnation, is not going to draw anybody closer to you, but it is by the drawing of your spirit. And so I pray for your anointing of your spirit upon this message today. God, that we would be solid in the foundation of what we believe. Help us, God, not to be wishy-washy, not to be content with the kiddie pool, so to speak, and waiting around in little truths. Help us, God, to get deeper. Let our faith, let our trust, our confidence in you get deeper, get stronger, that we might be able to stand all of the tricks, all of the temptations, all of the snares of the devil. And God, that we might be a light in a dark world. We know not what this new year brings, but we know, God, that you are already in it. And so, again, prepare our hearts today. Take us deeper in your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. So when we, think, when we say the word incarnate, and you say, well, I've never heard that word before. I bet you have, and I bet you've even said that word before. If you've ever sung the Christmas song, Angels We Have Heard on High. How many of you ever, heard, how many of you ever sung that song? If you were here at the, the uh, Christmas program, we sang that song. And there's a line in that song that says, Hail the incarnate deity. My guess is most of us sing that phrase and probably don't have a, a clue what we're actually saying when we say incarnate deity. So incarnation basically is the act of becoming flesh, okay? So in this word, this uh, verse we just read, the word, speaking of Jesus, who was in the beginning, who was God, uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. So incarnation, you've heard of reincarnation, which is, it doesn't exist, it's not true, but the idea of reincarnation is that I'm in one bodily form, bodily form, earthly bodily form, and then when I die, I come back, you know, as a butterfly or a salamander or a boa constrictor or something like that. Uh, I come back in another bodily form, reincarnation. 
from one bodily form to another, and that, that's not, a lot of people, some uh, religions believe that, but there's no truth to that. So just take the re off there and think about incarnation. Jesus coming in bodily form. He didn't go from one body to another, but he, came, he was spirit, and then he became body. He was incarnated into human flesh. So when we sing that line, hail or praise the incarnate deity, deity is God, the incarnate God, the God that became human. With me? All right. So what we find when we get thinking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, him becoming flesh, it affirms his humanity that he was indeed human, that he was the only begotten of the Father. What does that mean? The only, I mean, everybody knows John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I, I missed this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? What, what does that mean, his only begotten son? Okay, so to be, to be begotten is basically means to be fathered, okay? There's a really old English word, uh, it, it's, it's called beget. They use it a, word, a lot back then to beget or to father a child, basically to create a human body by way of reproduction. So, so uh, you read a lot of that stuff in the first part of Matthew and in the first, first part of the Bible when it says so-and-so beget so-and-so, so-and-so beget, that the stuff that you usually skip over, okay? What it's saying ultimately is they fathered that person. So Jim Walton beget Dennis Walton, Dennis Walton beget Brady Walton, okay? So, so Jesus is the only begotten of the heavenly father in that now uh you know you and i um were, were born of a man and a woman okay jesus was only born of a woman there was uh, joseph did not beget jesus god beget jesus he's the only begotten the only time ever in human history that god has fathered a human form so the reason why, when we look at, what we have to understand is that the word, uh, the, word, the word didn't just become a book. The word became a man. We think about the Bible and we call it the word of God, and it is. But the reason why the Bible is the word of God is, is the word is because it records the existence, the life, the ministry, the work, and the return of Jesus Christ, who is the word. The word of God is, became a man, not, not just a book. So what we understand through Jesus or God becoming man, being begotten, the only one of the Father, is it was a way for man to see God. That was never possible before. So if you look back, you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus we find where Moses is asking God, God, let me see you. I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see you. Who doesn't? What, what human being doesn't want to see God? He wanted to see God. Please show me your glory. This is what God said to him. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But God said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. Man cannot, God is so powerful, so holy, so pure, that sinful man cannot look upon him and live. It was impossible to see the face of God. But the very moment that Jesus Christ became human, and Mary and Joseph, after Jesus is born, and Mary and Joseph look at this baby's face for the first time ever, 
they are able to look upon God. The only way man could look upon God is for God to become man. Isn't that amazing? The writer of Hebrews says, long ago and at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, whom through he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Look at this, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The writer of Hebrews says, you know, God in the Old Testament Nobody could see God, so God would speak to man in different ways, through prophets, through priests, uh, through big clouds up on top of the mountain. And that's how God spoke. But he said, now God speaks to mankind through his son, Jesus. And Jesus is the exact imprint of God. See, the, one of the, when Jesus was with his disciples, one of his disciples said, uh, Jesus, show us the Father, and that'll, that'll be sufficient. And Jesus said, You're, you don't understand. You've seen me, therefore you have seen the Father. I, Jesus was the exact imprint of God so that mankind could see what God was really all about. See, up until, uh, up until the days of Jesus, everybody had this misconception of what God was really all about. God is this, uh, you know, or man, much of the world believed in many gods. God is this big, powerful, angry being out in the cosmos, and, and I have to appease him by my good works. He would, God would just as soon destroy me as anything. And, and Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 that's not at all what God is like. God is like me. I am the exact imprint of God. I am God in flesh to show you what God is really like. And Jesus began to preach about things like forgiveness and mercy and love, and loving one another, and, and forgiving one another, and, and Jesus began to teach things that were so contrary to what people thought God was all about. Jesus said, no, I am God in flesh to show you what God is, the exact imprint of God, so that we could know him. Hallelujah. What, what, why would a holy, perfect God that has never made any mistakes at all want to know anything about or know us and make himself known to us, people who have pretty much messed up since the day they were born. I don't know for sure if this is even possible, but I'm pretty sure I probably sinned before I was born. <laughs> I don't know. I just know me. I did In the womb, I did something wrong. I would almost guarantee it. We're born into sin, yet God came in human form so that I could, it's like the saying goes, I could never be like God. So God became like me so that I could become like God. Amen? Isn't that amazing? 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of, out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. When Mary and Joseph looked into Jesus' face, they literally, for the first time, saw God. When the disciples were there around the table and they're hearing or, or out on the, the multitudes, out on the, uh, the, the Mount of Olives or, or, or the Sermon on the Mount. People are out on the, the, uh, the seashore, the mountain, the hillside, and they're listening to Jesus talk. They're listening to God. It was God incarnated into man. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Remember, we talked about that here a couple weeks ago. A virgin shall conceive was a, was a prophecy of Isaiah. That's how you'll know this is him. He will not be born of a man. He will be born of God by a virgin his, his name will be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God on earth with us 
in human form. Hallelujah. That's, that's worthy of celebration. That's worthy of celebration. You say, well, Dennis, we, we know that, and we do. We're sitting here, we've, we've sung about it today, we've talked about it, but that very concept is under attack like crazy in the world that we live in. It's a lot of Christian circles, like I told you here a few weeks ago, a lot of Christian circles are even denying the virgin birth, trying to make some sort of other explanation, and there is no other explanation. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was who he said he was. He was God. Uh, C.S. Lewis, a writer back in around, the, I think, World War II times, he, uh, he had a series of, of talks that they recorded in a book called Mere Christianity. And one of those articles was uh, um, Jesus Christ, I may botch this, but it's, it's something to the effect of Jesus, uh, liar, lunatic, or Lord. And it was the idea that a lot, of, a lot of different people, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, different religions will acknowledge Jesus as a good man and a good teacher and that we should you know, listen to the teachings of Jesus, but he's not really God. He was just a really good teacher. But the thing about it is, and what C.S. Lewis is saying, is he either is Lord, he either is God, or he's a lunatic, right? He, I mean, the claims that Jesus made that he is God, he either is or he isn't, and I believe that he is, amen? And so... We have to understand that in a world in which Christianity, not just the religion, but the faith in Christ, which is what Christianity is all about, is under attack like crazy. If we as the church of Jesus Christ in 2020 are not solid in what we believe, and we truly believe and understand Jesus is exactly who he said he was, he was God incarnate in flesh, and only his blood was able to forgive me. There's no other way to heaven, there's no other way to God, but only through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we as the church don't have that down, if, if we are not solid in what we believe, the enemy will come in and deceive. Jesus said even the very elect, we have to know what we believe and why we believe it. If we don't know what we believe and why we believe it, then what we believe isn't worth believing. Amen? You can believe anything. People do. It's amazing to me the things that people believe. That don't make it true. Hallelujah. We got to understand, we begin to think about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We have to understand the eternal existence of Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus did not begin to exist in Mary's womb. Okay, now you and I, um, that's where we began, okay? So until, until, I was, until we were conceived, in our, we did not exist at all. It's not like we were somewhere else and then, you know, God brought, we just didn't exist, we began our whole being, our person, everything we are, our soul, our body, everything began to exist. It started in our mother's womb. Not so with Jesus. His human body started there. That's why he's the begotten of the Father. That's where his human body started. But the existence of Jesus existed long before that stable and that manger. He always has been. Jesus is eternal. Always has been and always will be. That's a concept that you and I in our temporary human minds, we can't fully comprehend that. Always has been. Always will be. There's no beginning. There's no end to Jesus. You and I can't understand that. But there's an awful lot of things about the world and the universe and things that I don't understand. But I know I'm here. Amen? And I know, I'm, I know that I'm here by some being far greater and smarter than I am. And if I could figure him out and in every aspect of his existence, then he wouldn't be worth believing in, right? He always has been. He's incarnate. He existed 
and then he was incarnated in human flesh. Jesus Christ, backwards, forwards. Jesus was creator. He's the creator of Genesis. He's basically the recreator of Revelation. He's going to recreate everything one day. He's going to bring this whole world to an end as we know it and recreate it. He was here from the beginning, even before this world, and he will be here when this world is over. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, which are the words of God, my words will never pass away. Why? Because he's eternal. Jesus said, I am Alpha, I am Omega. What does that mean? That means Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So basically what Jesus is saying is, I'm A, I'm Z. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I'm the first, I'm the last, is what Jesus declared. Not just, not just the first and the last as it regards this world, because see, this world had a beginning, this world will have an end, but Jesus goes beyond that and beyond that, both ways. He's eternal, always has been. My goodness, that's, worth, that's a God worth praising. And to think that a timeless God would confine himself to time, okay? So in heaven, there's no time. There's no clock on the wall in heaven, Okay? There's not 24-hour periods. A God who is timeless would confine himself to a a 24-hour-a-day period that you and I are bound by. That's the only way we can think. This morning, I had Cheerios for breakfast, and it's already gone. (laughs) I'm hungry, right? Time tells me, that time is past, it, past, and now I'm in this time, it's telling me I'm hungry, and then, you know, here in another, you know, 30, 40 minutes or whatever, I'm going to eat. I mean, we're, we're, that's how we live, but God is not confined by time. So God literally stepped out of eternity and stepped into time. That is an amazing thing to me. What a, he humbled himself to that degree so that he could connect with us. It's the only way he could connect with us is by becoming human. The eternal willing to become temporary, hallelujah, at least temporarily in bodily form. God said, I've, I've been here, I've created it all, I'm going to destroy it all. You know, I think about, here, here's, here's maybe your, your new, new Year's twist to this message. I think about um, 2019 and it's gone, it's over. Not a thing in the world I can do to change 2019. There's a few things I'd like to change. Anybody else? There's a few things I'd like to change about 2019, but I can't do it because it's, it's past. But what I can do is I can take what I learned in 2019, I can look forward into 2020, the next year. You know, you'll probably hear my pun a lot throughout the year. You know, 2020, we want, we want our vision to be more clear this coming year. What is your personal vision for your own life, for your family, spiritually speaking, more than anything? What is your, what is your vision for the next year that's coming up because unless, I mean, for the most part, I mean, no, we, none of us have a promise tomorrow, but for the most part, we'll probably be here throughout this coming year. And so we plan for what we want to see. What's my vision? And then I've got to ask myself, well, what's God's vision for me? I believe he has one. I mean, we know what God's vision is overall for the human race. It's that all men would call upon him and be saved, right? Jesus said, I want you to go out into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I, we know what God's vision is for the human race is that we be saved. And I believe that God's got a vision. I believe that he has a vision for me and how I fit into that big vision. Okay, God's number one priority for me in 2020 is not to give me everything I want. God's number one priority for me in 2020 is not to keep me out of every negative situation. 
God's vision for me in 2020 is to take whatever situation arises and produce himself more in me. Amen? So God, help me to have the same vision that you have. What's God's vision? What's my vision? Does it, does it match? Well, God's going to be here tomorrow whether I am or not. Right? He's eternal. He's been thinking about this for a lot longer than we have. Man, I, I pray sometimes. I tell you what, one of the things... I'll probably maybe talk about this just a little bit in the, the weeks to come, but one of the things, you know, as I pray going forward and in this next coming year, I find myself, it's, it's almost like when I'm praying, I don't know if anybody else realizes this or not, but it's like when I'm praying, I almost feel like I'm in a counseling session with God, me counseling him. God, please do this, Lord, we need you to do this, and God, do this, and God, do and, I, and I, you know, I just, I, the other day I was praying, I just stopped, I was like, God, I'm stupid. I mean, really, I'm ignorant. I mean, how can I, how can I instruct you? I, I'm trying to get myself to a place where it's like, you, you have been thinking about me a lot longer than I've even been alive. You've been thinking about your plan of salvation. You have been thinking about all of this a lot longer than I have. How can I instruct you? I, I, Lord, just do what it is you want to do and help me to know what that is. Bring me into a place where I just, I know what your will is, and I, I can fall into line with that and be okay with that. Just have your way. Your will, God, not mine, be done. He was around a lot longer before I came around, and he's going to be around a lot longer after I'm dead and gone. Amen? He's worthy to be trusted. There's a term uh, used to explain the two natures of Jesus Christ called hypostatic union. And it basically is just, it describes the two natures of Jesus, him being human and him being God and how they coincided. See, Jesus Christ, he wasn't half and half. He wasn't like half God and half man. He was 100% God, yet he was 100% man. And you said, well, that math don't add up. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the point. God is a God that goes way far beyond our mathematics. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. Jesus said this. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He always has been God. He was temporarily man, but while he was man, he was 100% man. He became a human being. We read that. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, sometimes when you read through the life of Jesus Christ through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we read through Jesus, what we find is that sometimes Jesus uh, was limited by his humanity and the things that he was doing. He, he succumbed to humanity and therefore at times was limited due to his humanity. Let me give you an example here in John 4 3 and 6, through 6. Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so look at here. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Okay, so Jesus is taking a trip, okay? He's walking from Judea uh, to Galilee, stops in Samaria, and one, of the, one commentary I looked up said that was, depending on what part of Samaria and Judea, Judea he was traveling from, was probably around 50 to 60 miles, probably about a 20-hour walk. Okay, so Jesus just walked for 20 hours, and he's wearied. He was limited by, just like you would be. Imagine, we get out of church, and you get out there, and you just walk for 20 hours. When you get to wherever you're going, 
You're going to pull your shoes off. There's going to be blisters. You're going to rub your feet. And you're going to be like, oh, my feet are killing me. Your air back is And that's exactly the way Jesus was after he walked 20 years. He was wearied from his journey. He took his sandals off. He's like, oh, this is killing me. Right? He, he didn't like hover for 20, for 20 hours. He could have. I mean, you know, because, because he's God, he could have went beyond that. He could have just like went like this and just like, I wish I could do that. I can't, I can't do it. But he could have just hovered, you know, from, from wherever he wanted to go and his feet wouldn't have been tired. But no, he walked. And because he walked for 20 hours, his humanity came out and, and he was weary. He was tired. He was exhausted. Just like you and I would be. Other times, Jesus operated in the power of his deity, his God nature. There was a time when Jesus had sent his disciples out into the sea. They were on a boat. He stayed on the shore. He sent his disciples out in a boat. And they get out into the middle of the sea. Can't see it from shore. Way, way out there, a storm comes up. Jesus is on the shore. His disciples are out in the middle of the sea. And in order to go and be with them, Jesus, he don't go get a boat and start paddling. God, Jesus begins to operate in his godness in that moment. And he just, making you nervous, ain't I? Just stepped. And he just walked right out across the top of the water. At times, he operated in the limits of humanity. Other times, because he was 100% God, went beyond that and did what he had to do. The reason why Jesus was able to turn normal water into wine, the, reason, the, the only way that Jesus was able to take you know, one boy's lunch and feed a multitude, the only way Jesus was able to speak to a dead man after he had been dead for four days and him come back to life because he was God. Yet he was human. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we, when we look at the humanity of Jesus, he said, I, I want, in order to be a good God, this is God's thing, in order to be a really good God, an understanding God, I've got to know how they feel. The Bible says that he was tempted in every point like we are. He, he literally felt and went through every type of thing that you and I can go through. And so that means when, when, when I'm sick, I can pray to God, I can pray to him, and he, he says, I know what that felt like. And, and he's compassionate. When, 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 somebody, when somebody stabs me in the back, I'm betrayed by somebody I love, and I pray to God, Jesus says, I remember what that felt like. He can be compassionate. He's a good high priest, the Bible says. And we look at him God who had everything in eternity, humbling himself to become a human, confined to time. And what we find as we read through all the gospels of the life of Jesus is that he was uh, limited. He, he, uh, he required sleep, just like you and I do. He was out with, one other time he was out with the disciples in the boat. The Bible says he was asleep. He slept just like you. He had to sleep just like you and I do. It's important for us to understand this. He, he needed food and water, just like you and I do. He had to eat because he was 100% human. When Jesus had been out in the, the wilderness being tempted by the devil, for, for 40 days he fasted. He didn't eat anything for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, the Bible says he was hungry. That's why the devil came to him and said, well, why don't you use your godness for just a minute? Use your God nature, take that rock, turn it into bread, and eat it because your humanness is hungry. And Jesus said, well, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The point is, he was human and he was hungry. When he was on the cross, he cried out, I am thirsty. He had to sleep. He had to eat. He needed physical protection. You, you know, when, when he was a baby and, uh, and Herod finds out about this new king and Herod sends out to kill him, 
Joseph and Mary ran to Egypt. Why? To protect Jesus. He needed protection. Herod, it's not like if, if Herod would have found Jesus as a baby and took a sword and hit Jesus, it would have bent the sword and stuff. He couldn't really. No, he could have killed Jesus. Jesus was a human. They had, he needed protection. There's times where, you know, mobs would, you know, be coming after him. They're mad about something he said and he'd juke them and, and get out of the way. He needed protection. He sweat. He bled. He had emotions. We, we read about the joy. Jesus said, I want your joy to be full as my joy is full. He expressed joy. He expressed uh, sorrow. He expressed anger. We read about it because he, he was a human being. Therefore, he had all the same emotions that we as human beings are in all points tempted like we are, yet he did it right. Amen? Because he was God. And he had to be perfect. Jesus had to be. Why? Jesus being incarnated, him becoming man, ensures so many things. And I could make a whole message out of all this. I'm not going to as I, as I wrap this up. And I already said this. Jesus becoming human ensures that he knows how we feel in our struggles. That was so important, so very important for us knowing God. Otherwise, God is just this being out in the cosmos that can't relate to me. Not the case. Jesus becoming human means that that God, that great mighty God who created all this, can relate to me. Remember that when you're praying. Remember that when you're sorrowful. Remember that when you're hurting and you're calling out to God. He knows, he hears. You have to, you have to believe that above the lie of the enemy. Because the enemy would love for you to, to believe that God doesn't care about you, that he's just out there in the cosmos somewhere. He created you, you're some speck you know, in, in the universe that is just insignificant. Not so. Think about how vast and huge the universe is. And size-wise, we are that speck. But that speck, that little, that one human soul that is so, so valuable to the God that created it. I want you to know me, God said, so I'm going to become like you. Jesus was born in flesh. He was born under the law, becoming human. See, as God, Jesus couldn't die. You can't kill God. In order for Jesus to die in my place at the cross, I broke, I've broke the commandments of God, and because of that, I deserve punishment. That, hey, that's fair. We live by that in our society, don't we? Somebody kills somebody, and, we th and they go to prison for the rest of their life. We think, well, they got what they deserve. They're, you commit a crime, you, you're punished. And so well, we, we break the laws of God. We only have hell to await for us. And, but God said, you know, I really don't want you to have to go there. I, I, I love you too much uh, to let you go through that. So rather than make you die and pay the price for your sin, I'm going to do it for you. But God can't die. You can't kill God. He had to become human because humans can die. Amen? He became that lamb of God to die in our place that his blood might be shed. And Jesus, here's the thing. In a way, Jesus is still incarnate today. Now, we know that Jesus was crucified. He died, and he, he was buried in the tomb, and three days later, he rose. Not in some sort of spirit form. He rose. His body rose from, from the dead. And then he ascended and went back to the Father, and Jesus said, I'm going to go back to the Father, and then I'm going to pray to the Father that he will send you another comforter. 
And God sent that third person, the Holy Spirit, that come to abide within us. So today, as you and I are human beings, and Jesus said this, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while. The world will see me no more, but you will see me. The world won't see me, Jesus said, but you, believers, will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me. And look at here, I in you. <laughs> Jesus is still abiding in human flesh through us. This, it's through us that Jesus makes himself real to the world. Now, I'm not saying that when you look in my face, you're seeing the face of God. Far from it. But I hope that through the life I live, you see Jesus in me. Amen? That's what's amazing the Bible talks about. God has put his treasure in earthen vessels. Human, weak, flawed, sinful human beings, yet God puts his treasure, his spirit. Jesus comes to live in us in human form so that the world in darkness might see a light that we're supposed to be. Amen? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? I'm going to leave you with this. Turn with me into Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. <clears throat> Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I believe the King James says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, through, through, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, incarnated, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say therefore, because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. There will be a moment in the existence of every person, sometime between the womb where we began and eternity. Honestly, though, let me, let me back up. You know, you and I, now we're eternal beings. You realize that? We're eternal, meaning, meaning we don't have any end. We had a beginning in our mother's womb, but we don't have any end. Our body has an end. Our body will die and stop. But our soul lives on forever. God created us to be eternal. And so every single, every single person who's ever lived and been begotten, will confess that Jesus Christ really is God, that he is Lord. God looks for us, and hopefully every person will be smart enough to confess that now. While we're human, while we're in this earthly body, we confess him to be Lord, we, can, we, we believe in him, we, put our, we, we yield our life to him, we serve him. And when we do that, we have the promise of eternal life. But if we reject him in this life, we can't buy into the whole incarnation thing. We don't, we don't buy the virgin birth thing. And we reject Jesus and deny him in this life, then one day when I die and I stand before Jesus, I stand before him in his eternal form, 
I will in that moment confess that Jesus Christ is God. Amen? Everybody's going to confess it. Everybody will believe in Jesus at some point. And the problem is, if we wait till eternity when we're standing before Jesus, then it's too late. My goodness, don't, don't wait that long. Don't wait that long. This, why? Why wait?